With the 14th pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the Boston Celtics select Romeo Langford, Grant Williams, Carson Edwards, Tremont Waters, Vincent Poirier, Javante Green, Robert Williams III, Jimmy Ogilvy, Brad Wanamaker, Daniel Price, Dennis Cantor, Taco Fall, Marcus Smart, Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker, from the University of Connecticut. Welcome back to From the Rafters, presented by Bannertown USA and Parquet Press. Sam and I are here with a special guest, but I'll let him introduce himself, so uh, feel free to do so. Hey, it's Max Sunderman from NBC Sports Boston, and what's up, guys? Pretty good. It's been a while since we've talked. Yeah. It has. Yeah. Oh, very boring month and a half, two months since we last talked. Mm -hmm. I know. It really is. uh, It's... Feeling kind of good, though. Feeling like a little bit of momentum for basketball coming back. And all I need is a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel to to keep me going. I agree. I couldn't agree more. We saw the other week that uh, LeBron, Dame Lillard, all those megastars hopped in a a video call or a a little private call and talked about uh, bringing the season back. What do you what do you think about that? Look, I think you need you need buy in from the star players. And I don't think there was really, you know, the NBA is usually pretty good. about being on top of, you know, player safety stuff and, uh, you know, just in general, you know, doing the right thing. They were, they kind of were the, the, you know, they broke the seal for everyone shutting everything down when, uh, after the Gobert testing, it kind of gave, uh, the other leagues that I think probably thought they had to do it, but were like waiting, you know, gave them the green light to do it as well. And, um, so I don't, I don't think the NBA would have put them in danger, but you still need the, the players, the big names, uh, and obviously the union to be on board. And, um, you know, we'll see, there's still, I think a lot of details to come out, but I do think that they're, they're, you know, whether it happens or not, I think they are 100% committed to playing, uh, some of the regular season or starting the playoffs, whatever they end up figuring out, but they want to finish the season. They don't want to just wait till next year. It's fine by me. I want to see this season finish through. I was really enjoying watching, obviously, Sam and I are Celtics fans. I know you work for the Celtics. I was really liking the momentum we had, or the Celtics had. I, Sam always tells me I say we, and that's not okay. But, uh, <laughs> but the <laughs> momentum sorry. the Celtics had at the end of the season, I just wanted to, honestly, I was just excited for something new. Like, we've seen the Warriors and the Cavs in the finals for the past how many years? We saw the Raptors last year, but... Just having something new was really getting me hyped up to watch the end of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think the East, you know, the Bucks are just an absolute wagon. But I do think, you know, look, they have to win it. Uh, they have to win the conference before, you know, we can just hand it to them. So I do think that there is a chance that, you know, there's a, probably four or five teams, maybe four, that can uh, come out of the East. And that's exciting. And I think there's, you know, there's at least, you know, I'd say, three maybe four teams that i could see coming out of the west i think probably the la teams have the the edge there but i mean there's teams like denver and you know you never know with houston um that could that could surprise i mean there is like you're right there's no warriors there's no uh just absolute historically good team that you can kind of just pencil into the western conference finals so it is exciting yeah for sure and like like you said there's no warriors so like a lot of people were so excited for this season because of that. It was so open, and now this happens. But um, Keith Smith uh, tweeted out today that he was told that if the NBA does resume, 30 teams will have games at a single site, which is looking like it is going to be Disney. Uh, Disney's going to be the front runner, and it's going to be like the Summer League. Do you think that'll affect um, how teams perform compared to just regular uh, scheduled games? I do. Um, I think it's going to be weird. I mean, everything's is you know it's a real it's a real wild card. What's going to happen? Um, you know, I was on a Sixers podcast uh, talking about a potential Sixers Celtics um, matchup just last night, and the Sixers are a team that are historically good at home, like one of the best home records like in NBA history, and then like just like they play like a, the worst team in the NBA on the road. So like. 
what does a team like that play like in a neutral site? Like to me, that's a real question that needs to be answered. And there's a lot of teams that, you know, thrive off. Like think about the Celtics, how, um, you know, it's the losses at home are way rarer than the losses on the road uh, when you have the guard and faithful there. And so it's just, you know, when you take that element out, it is, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, refs um, don't consciously call things differently depending on where they are, but it's human nature. I think there's been studies that have shown that, you know, just a small percentage of the calls usually um, go to the home team. They get a little uh, boost from that. So how's that going to, you know, impact games and, and just the whole, like, being away from your family. I mean, I think about someone like Jason Tatum. Um, I think, you know, I don't know what the, whether they're going to let uh, players bring, you know, family or their friends or whatever. I could see it being an issue if, you know, if people break their bubbles and somebody tests positive. I mean, that, you know, it hurts your team because you're going to be out. And then, you know, I know they're not going to shut the whole thing down uh, if one player tests positive, but I just can't see how one player would test positive and his teammates wouldn't also have or at least a couple of his teammates getting it. So they really, there's a lot of details that need to get um, ironed out, but I for sure think it's going to be different. It's not going to be a regular, you know, end of the season, obviously. And um, I don't, not saying that it, anybody needs an asterisk on the championship because there's no asterisk on any of the lockout shortened years. So I don't know why this would be different. If anything, I think it, uh, it might be a little bit harder to come through, but it also could mean that a, a team that we weren't talking about ends up making a run because they get hot and you know it's just the coincidence and you know every every team should be healthy you know that had kind of smaller injuries and it's really going to be about who gets in shape you know fast enough and and who can kind of just block out the noise so i think the veteran teams will probably be at an advantage um i don't even though the celtics aren't old i think that i would consider them you know mature young guys though like right you know Jason they Tatum's. made it far recently. Exactly. And Jalen Brown and Tatum are, you know, are two of the younger guys on the team, but they're also, you know, like you said, they made it to game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. And they're also just in general, regardless of their experience, they just seem like off the court, just mature dudes, which is a really great thing to have. Yeah, I, I fully agree. I feel like everyone's really walking on eggshells with this situation because obviously – the way the season abruptly ended, it was kind of scary. Like I was, I remember I was sitting there on another podcast, and it got tweeted out, and we were just kind of in shock. We didn't really know what to say. We had to react live, and it was, it was just a lot at once. And if they do bring it back, especially if they're in one place, I feel like, like for example, this isn't a great comparison, but I work at a camp over the summer, and they're not sure if they're going to open because that's just so many people in one place. And so if you add families to that, like you were mentioning. That's just so many more people at risk of being in this just – I guess it kind of feels like a cesspool waiting for something to happen. And as as long as we wait, like this isn't going to go away without a cure. Like it's not going to just like vanish overnight. So I think the NBA and Adam Silver obviously want to take every precaution. And as much as we as fans want basketball back, it's just kind of scary to think about like it happening on a larger scale because we saw, what, 10 people get it? And if we saw even more than that, that it could mean something much worse than a few months without basketball. Right. And I do think um, it, I do really worry just about, you know, outside of basketball, uh, a second wave. Cause people are just, you know, the weather's getting nice. People are like, cool. We did this lockdown thing and now States are still starting to open. I can just go hang out with my friends now. And, you know, that's not what the experts are saying we should be doing, but I worry about that. Um, but I think as far as the NBA is concerned, I think they're going to they've, you know, they've had all these um, they want all these companies to be involved in testing. You know, they want to see teams to secure enough tests so that they can, you know, just test the crap out of their players and and staff to make sure that, you know, they're on top of it. And I wonder and I know this is like, you know, the, I, I don't know if the players union will be um, OK with this, but. If they would be, you know, especially if they're going to be at Disney World. I don't know if you guys have been recently. I went with my family uh, two years ago, and they give you these wrist these wrist watches where you can, you know, it shows you if you have a free pass or whatever yeah, for each yeah. ride and stuff. But if they give guys, like, little watches or something that kind of just track them so that if they do test positive, it's not like we're watching you, but it's like now we can, you know, co- easily contact trace, you know, where you were and, and potentially who you might have given it to and, 
you know, I I don't know if players would be cool with that. I know that's just <laughs> in a, it, it's hard to imagine uh, just Americans in general being okay with that kind of uh, privacy breach. But if it's the thing where it's like this is how we can make sure that we can finish the season, um, I wonder how hard it would be to convince them. But I've just made that up. I've not heard anybody say anything about that, and it could be just the worst idea ever. <laughs> yeah, I I literally have never. Oh, I've been to Disney World, but like not since I was like really young. So like I've really never been to Disney World because I don't remember it. But um, that is like absolutely crazy that they can track people like that. And I mean, if they did that, it does sound like a good idea because you would, like you said, be able to kind of have an idea where people are going if they're getting others sick, things like that. Um, it would be very strange, I feel like, to watch playoffs without a crowd there. And it also has a um, – I don't even know what the word is. But, like, it's its kind of uh, unfair to teams that uh, worked real hard. Like, they wanted to get higher seeds. Obviously, there's no chance we're going to have people there. So, like, that's not what I'm saying. But kind of sucks. Like, you could see more upsets because of, like – like you said, like the Sixers and the Celtics are big home crowd um, – they get energy from their teams, so you could see them lose to teams that they might not lose to if they had the home court. Yeah, I mean that really. I mean, it, I I think, you know, all things considered, it should be um, once the playoffs start, it'll end up being, um, you know, the better team should win in theory. It shouldn't matter um, if if it's neutral, you know, like so. It's not right. like you're, but it. It really just depends on how these teams play in a neutral site. If they play like they play on the road, for some teams, yeah. that's that's terrible. Like the Sixers, it's like, well, they won't win a single game. Um, they only won 10 games on the road all season. Um, but for teams like the Celtics, who, you know, aren't as good as, on the road as they are at home, but they're, you know, they're not, they're not a bad team on the road either. You know, maybe it won't matter. But uh, the only solace is that it's, you know, everyone's, dealing with the same exact thing it's just teams that can can kind of uh use it as a rallying point it feels almost like a you know the ncaa tournament you know just like a, yeah. a yeah, college experience that. just kind of like everyone get together and let's you know survive in advance to the next round and see what happens but um you know it's it is true like it you know for the teams that you know we're playing for home court although if you look at the western conference you know the the lakers and the and the clippers you know, does home court even really matter for them? They play in the same arena. Yeah, uh, I never so... really understood that. Like, I, I would imagine that the Lakers are the more popular team out there. Uh, I've never really... Yeah. So, like, if you do play the Clippers in the playoffs, like, is there a way that they, like, say, all right, we're going to make sure Lakers fans don't buy our home tickets to our home games? Like, do yeah, you think they, they can do that? They have... Um, I mean, they have, obviously, the Clippers season ticket holders. Um, of course. And all that stuff, but... I, I I'm not sure how they do it, but no matter what, I mean, any home game is a Lakers home game if those two are playing because you know nobody cares about the Clippers. You know they may yeah. they have I'm sure some fringe fans, but it's just you got to win a lot to especially because I mean LeBron and Anthony Davis are in the Lakers now. I mean what are we doing here? It's you know you took a, a storied franchise that was already too popular in my opinion anyway just for the garbage that they put out there for the last 10 years. And then you add, but you add two megastars that are, you know, two of the most popular players and uh, at least two of the most popular basketball players on the planet. Uh, so, you know, you just added so much more shine and, and yes, Paul George is a uh, star player. Kawhi Leonard is, you know, one of the best players in the entire league, but Kawhi's not like this. Uh, he's not a big brand like those players are, I don't think. And he's obviously, I think he's a better player than Anthony Davis, but he's not a uh, he's not a better star, if that makes sense. So they're not they're just not going to win that that fight. They it, they wouldn't win that fight even if it was like the Brandon Ingram, Julius Randle, right? You know, yeah, Lonzo Ball crowd. You know, it it it's still Lakers land. It's not Clippers land. For sure, I couldn't agree more. I mean. I, I fully understand what you're saying with, like, Kawhi's not the guy to go out in front of the crowd, give a big speech, rally the troops, and do all this. And LeBron and Anthony Davis are that. Like, they do that. Like, I, I guess you could say Paul George could do it, but no one does it better than LeBron in today's NBA, except for maybe, like, a Russell Westbrook type who's got all this energy. But it, it just that's just not Kawhi's personality. Um, You mentioned a little while ago about how this time has given teams uh the time to heal and, like, 
recovered from injuries, and you mentioned all these minor injuries, like we've seen little things with the Celtics here and there, other teams fighting the injury bug, like the Pacers. But what about those major injuries? I know, Sam, you mentioned that Kevin Durant said he wasn't going to play this season because he was hurt, but what about like the teams like the Trailblazers with Joseph Nurkic or Yusuf Nurkic, who's been out all season, and we've seen that that's clearly affected them. Like As good as Hassan Whiteside's been, the loss of Yusuf Nurkic has been huge, and the Trailblazers haven't been the same. Do you think he would come back? And, and Damian Lillard's an MVP caliber player, in my opinion, if he was on a better team. Do you think he could come back and the Blazers could make a run like they did last year? I feel like they're a team to watch for me. Well, you don't have Ennis Cantor on the team like you did last year, right? I mean, people, <laughs> uh, people forget that Cantor, he gutted it out. He played hurt going into a free agency uh, summer. And I think that I gained so much respect for Cantor during that playoff run. But the um, the for sure, the Trailblazers could make a run. I, I think, uh, again, this is a great equalizer. So it it and it gives people, you know, because Nurkic, I, I think, was on the mend. He was supposed to come back. Um, did he play at all? Um, no, I, I think he was he, about to, though. I think you're right. He was on his way back, so mm-hmm. he was probably pretty close. But either way, I mean, he's he's got to get in game shape. I mean, there's just no way to simulate that, even if you were allowed to play practice with your, you know, with your teammates. But you can't now, so um, that's why you know a team like the Sixers would, you know, they're just like, oh, maybe they can use the time to get their chemistry right. I'm like, how over a Zoom call? I mean, yeah, like great. Let's all become better friends, but. At the end of the day, it's that on-court chemistry that you just can't simulate. And for the Celtics, it's someone like uh, like a Robert Williams, who um, you know really needed. I thought you know the things that he needed the most, just in terms of his growth, was minutes on the court. Like a lot of his issues are just things that can be remedied by playing more basketball. And you know him being on the shelf for as long as he was, and now you know this big layoff. I don't think you're going to be able to count on him at all for anything. Um, towards the end of the season here. And, um, but someone like Kemba Walker, uh, I think he's going to be like much fresher because of this time off. I mean, that knee was really, really scary. Honestly, for me, I, like, like this guy just was like a, a warrior, never missed games. And, you know, then he signs the max deal and comes in and now he's got an, he's just undersized point guard with a knee. And you're just like, boy, that's the only reason it wasn't more of a, a talking point is because Jason Tatum turned into, you know, a top 10 player in the league uh, during Kemba's absence. And so we kind of were, you know, just not really paying attention to it. And so I think this is huge to give Kemba just, I mean, think about it. Think about the last time Kemba Walker had this many like weeks off of having to practice. I mean, it's not great in terms of just being in basketball shape, but just for his knees, it's probably doing wonders. You know, look at LeBron this year after missing the playoffs for the first time in forever not going to the finals, he gets a couple extra months extra off and and he looked like a you know the old LeBron again. So I think that it will for sure help most players. Uh, most teams will you know, I don't know about the major injuries. I don't know. I don't I don't know. I don't think Kyrie's coming back. Um, I think the Nets don't really care. I think they're just like next year's our year anyway, why would we risk it? Uh, I and I agree to be honest, like why would you? I mean I think all the issues that they're having this year, like it just doesn't matter because they're not going to win anything without KD and they will probably win a lot with KD. So just get healthy. And, you know, I think they're going to do a lot of moves over the summer, excuse me, over the summer anyway, but screw the nets. Yeah. And like, it is funny. You mentioned that like with KD, like even if he came back, right, like for the playoffs, they literally have not all played a game together yet. Like with, Katie, Kyrie, DeAndre Jordan, like those guys have not played an NBA game together yet. So would that even be good for them? Would it even give them as much of a boost as people would think? Like it might be like how when Gordon Hayward came back, people thought it would give the Celtics a boost, but it really didn't. Um, but that was kind of different circumstances because there were more mouths to feed. But I feel like it could be definitely a learning curve for them in terms of winning games in the yeah. playoffs for sure. Well- yeah, I mean, that would be so hard to ask. And uh, especially because it's an Achilles injury, it's really more about just getting Durant back healthy, uh, less so about the chemistry because they'll figure out he's just too good. Gordon, though, I was I was team let him. I hope he comes back for the playoffs, not to help the team, to help him, you know, just help him right. get over that that mental hurdle of playing basketball so that he could, you know, come back ready. Because that's what Paul George did when he had that gruesome injury. He came back for like 10 games at the end of the that season that he got hurt over the summer. Um, so, and he just, 
you know, I think he had said too, like it was important for him to just get the rust out, just get the, you know, get that mentality back of being able to, you know, jump and land and not get hurt and be like, okay, so I can spend all summer getting after it and get my body back. Uh, and he bounced back and was even better. Um, and Hayward, you could see, you know, because he also ended up having a, no one talks about the setback that he had the summer before he came back. You know, they didn't really report it as a setback, but they're like, oh, you know, you just had another procedure here uh, to remove the screws uh, or to replace the screw or whatever it ended up being. It's like, uh, he can resume basketball activities in eight weeks. I'm like, oh, cool. That's the entire summer. So he does not have a summer. And uh, training camp is the first time he can play basketball. And we were all surprised at his slow start and just kind of a lost season. But that said, look at how good he's been this year. It's like, it just shows you, like, you you know, you need the proper time. So I think rushing a guy back from injury, um, you know, because a team like a team like the Nets, I think, you know, it's all about next year for them. So and it always was when they signed Durant. It was all about next year. Let's see what we can do with these guys, see how their chemistry is with Kyrie and um, and And it's been nothing. Right. To no one's surprise. I'm so glad he's gone. Um, Do you think Kyrie's the problem? Like, I feel like people are like, no, it can't be him still. Like, still in denial. Like, at this point, like, what's your opinion on that? Is it is it just Kyrie at this point? Like, his personality? Uh, yeah, it's so, it's for sure his fault. Um, <laughs> no, it's not, it, it's not just his personality. It's his playing, too. Like, he's so good. He's yeah. such a good player. Um. But there's something to be said that every time he's he's on a good team, so not like the, I'm not going to look at those pre-LeBron Cavs teams, but they, his teams play better when he's not there. And it's not because he's a bad basketball player. It's because of the way that he dominates the ball when he's out there. It's just the way that he operates. Uh, it just doesn't lend itself to helping an efficient, you know, equal opportunity offense. And I, so I do think that there's something to it. And I think you add in his personality and his just, you know, like, I don't think he's like a bad dude. I don't like, I, I try to tell my kids, uh, you know, I told my, my seven year old, I'm like, look, Kyrie, when I say Kyrie's like a bad guy, I don't mean like, a, like if you were hurt on the side of the street and he was walking by, he would help you. He's a good, like human being, I think, but he's just like got a little bit of rot in his soul or something, a little bit of just something's wrong. Uh, and he's just a weirdo and it's, he just treats people really terribly uh, at times. And at times he doesn't. And that was the thing that I got. Cause I had very little uh, interaction with him. Um, but I had heard from people that did that. Like there were just days where you'd be in an elevator with him and he wouldn't even acknowledge your presence. Really? And then the next day he would go out of his way to like, give you a pound or something just like just like a weird guy like that and i mean if you think about that i'm sure you've in your life experienced people like that i know i have and it's just like they're just kind of kind of off a little bit and that's fine and everything but my issue with Kyrie was that he just kept speaking down to people all the time and his teammates like if you want to just was the worst if you want to make it about a battle against the media fine that's okay you know we're going to do our jobs you do yours that's fine. But when you're just blasting your teammates all the time and just creating narratives and then getting mad that the narrative is a thing, it's like, but you literally started it. When you get annoyed that people are asking you about you calling LeBron, well, why did you tell us that you called LeBron? I mean, literally, it's your fault. So, <laughs> like, I wish someone had just could just tell him, like, man, you don't have to answer. You could just say, I man, I don't want to talk about that. And move on. And it would be annoying for reporters yeah for sure uh and every town that you go to they would say maybe ask you the same question do what like look at what jordan did in the last dance you know when his uh his last season they kept asking is this your last season season?" he's like i don't know i don't know and he answered it all the time he talked about how annoying it was but he still did you know say i don't know next question you know and you can find a more pleasant way to blow people off uh and it's just it's just better to do that than to actually answer the question and create more Awful questions and riffs and news stories and rumors that were, you know, that definitely played a part in the dysfunction that happened last season. I feel like he needs to uh, pull Marshawn Lynch, just grab a big bowl of Skittles, sit up there on the media desk and just just stop talking. Just be like, I'm not answering this question. He and Marshawn Lynch just need to get in a room together and just take lessons on how to just not acknowledge the media. 
Somebody Marsh, needs to teach him how to do Marshawn it. Marshawn Lynch, like, though, is like we like Marshawn Lynch. Like, exactly. I think Kyrie's <laughs> got too many enemies. That would that wouldn't go well for him. I think like, <laughs> but you know what? It would be better if he just if it became like that's what a leader would do. A leader yeah. would would take that like spotlight that's on his teammates and on his team and put it on him and make it about him instead of you know his fight with the media rather than you know creating all these other subplots and like by just talking about just blasting the young guys all the time. It's like, man, like, and Jalen, I will never forget. I had my, uh, my earpiece in cause it was right before my segment on the post game show. And I was in the bathroom. I wasn't peeing. So don't, it wasn't, this isn't a gross story. I was just <laughs> looking at my face in the mirror, uh, because I'm vain and I care about the audience. Um, and I was, but I remember hearing Jalen, I'll never forget Jalen responding to Kyrie's saying, you know, it's not just the young guys. It's, you know, the veterans need to step up, too. It's not just us. You know, people keep talking about it. It's us, you know, but like everybody, you know, from the top down. And I remember just being like, God, Jalen, I love you so much. That is, you know, the the cojones to 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 talk, you know, to stand up for yourself and rightfully so. Uh, and it just shows you, you know, and you just see the work that Jalen's put in. And, you know, he backed it up. He backed up his talk. And uh, he was right. I'm team Jalen. For sure. He's still here. He's playing great. Got a new contract. He's all over social media dancing. He's running down the street super fast. Imagine like living in his neighborhood and like it is he's just like running down your street. Like that's so weird to me. Because like I'm in Rhode Island, so like nobody lives here. Um <laughs> Yeah, nobody lives near me either. It would be cool though. I mean I would totally play it cool. I would like just not even acknowledge him. Like hey, whatever. I don't care. You know, I'm I'm cool, I'm a cool neighbor. So if you want to come to the barbecue, you know, I'm not going to harass you. Yeah. I I always get super nervous. Like, I mean, like as somebody that wants to like be in the media someday, like, you know, I'm in school for it. Like I get super nervous. Like when I see people, like I went to a Celtics game like a couple years ago and we had seats right where like guys come out of the tunnel and like they would sign autographs and take pictures and stuff. And like, I literally didn't ask anyone for anything because I was so nervous. Like I didn't want to bother anybody. Yeah, I mean, I just got to remember, they're just people. They're just regular yeah. human beings, and they're just really good at a sport. Um, and they, for sure, deserve deserve all the uh, attention and the, you know, the money that they get and all that stuff that comes with it. Uh, you know, ninety nine point nine percent of the guys, you know, absolutely deserve what they get uh, and the attention. But they're just people. That's how I've always looked at it. Uh, I, it may help that one of the first athletes in my. Uh, I'm holding my fingers, uh, air quotes here, professional career. When I was an intern at a comp- uh, channel called CN8, uh, working for a show called Sports Pulse, uh, back when I was at Northeastern. And uh, one of the first professional athletes I met through work was Taylor Twelman. And it, one of the nicest human beings you will ever meet. And also like my height, you know, just like a normal dude. Like he just looked like like somebody that I would go hang out with. And I think just that kind of entry into meeting a professional athlete was, uh, and I covered the uh, the Bruins when I was at Nesson too. So like, and hockey players are like inc- incredibly humble, uh, especially the professional ones. The college ones, maybe not so much. But, <laughs> yeah, maybe not. <laughs> but professional hockey players, I always found really, uh, really humble, and uh, you know, so you just see them as just human beings, and that's all they are. So Jalen, if if he was my neighbor. I would treat him like I treat my other neighbors. I would not be friends with them on Facebook because I don't want to know their politics. And I would just say hi when they drive by when I'm watering my lawn. <laughs> All this talk about neighbors and barbecues, it reminds me. I know I shared it. I'm pretty sure, Sam, you shared it too. Uh, you tweeted out that you were doing some sort of um, family feud type thing and got, yes. got uh, oh, yes. a big thing going on. I'm curious to know your answers to some of those questions, Max. If you're willing to share, I don't know if that's top secret and you're going to reveal it on the the thing you're doing, but I, I'm curious to know your answers to some of those questions that you put out. It hasn't um, come out yet, right? No, uh, but we I'm have the results. We have All the right. results, and we're going to probably um, okay. probably try to sneak it into our show next week, but I don't know for sure, so don't quote me on that. But um, okay, it's uh, let me let me get these questions up because I don't actually even have them in front of me right now. Yeah, uh, yeah. but like. Throw out someone's, someone's at me if you can remember off the top of your head while I'm looking at all. I remember one. Who would you name your pet after yeah, that's on the team? That was a good one. Um, yeah, Barkus, Barkus Smart would probably be. Um, <laughs> somebody else had that one. 
Uh, I saw a great response. I know Chris Forsberg has uh, named one of his dogs Kemba, but I, I someone wrote uh, that they wanted to name that they named their dog Kemba so that anytime they hire a, a dog walker, it's it's their Kemba walker. <laughs> that's, that's so creative and awesome. Uh, I mean, you can't go wrong with uh, you know a taco mm-hmm. or you know if it's just like a regular name like um, like Jason wouldn't be that good. But I know there's a couple people that have Tatum as yeah. their. Uh, their dog name uh but that would be that one and then like um favorite player that you know i had to really be careful with how i worded these because we just didn't want to be negative yeah uh but because i wanted to put like who do you which which non-celtics player do you hate the most like which current nba player do you hate the most but we couldn't use hate so it's like which uh current nba player do you enjoy the celtics beating the most (laughs) yeah yeah uh and uh i mean mine would for sure probably just still be LeBron, even yeah. though I'm yeah, I'm a LeBron I, fan. I, I have a LeBron. I don't like LeBron. I like but, LeBron. Uh, it's just it's just so fun to beat him because he's so good. That's what I think. Yeah, and I I have gotten over my Malcolm my irrational Malcolm Brogdon uh, hatred. <laughs> what I understand that, but I think he's like really really good. Like I think he's so. I mean, he won Rookie of the Year, so I mean, how underrated can you be? But like, I don't know. I think he's like super good. He should have won really Rookie like of the Year. Joel Embiid should have won Rookie of the Year. Let's be yeah. honest. I know he only played 31 games, <laughs> but my goodness, those were an incredible 31. So, no, my my issue with Brogdon was specifically for that for uh, him winning oh, Rookie of the Year. Okay, but also I just think he's just so boring. Like, yeah, he he's is. a nice player. Yeah, he doesn't excite me at all, uh, and I want my Rookie of the Year winners to excite me. So wait, but do you he, think do you think Zion should win this year over Ja? No. Okay. Okay. I respect. No, that. because Ja, like the thing is, like Ja's having a great year. Yeah. And like Brogdon didn't Brogdon was just like a fine player, I think, because what it, my issue is that like he kind of got the like, look at the contribution he's making to a mm-hmm. playoff team like bump. And I'm like, that does, that's not something that we take into account for rookie of the year. It's yeah. just not. It's right. Which rookie put up the best numbers? Like, that's it. It's who was the best rookie? I mean, he was the he contributed. But like. So is this your Matisse Thibel in the mix for rookie of the year <laughs> because he's contributing on a contender? No, because he plays like 15 minutes, but he gets all those steals. Um, the point is, is that uh, he just didn't have a. I didn't think his numbers were good enough to to win Rookie of the Year. Um, but uh, that said, I, I don't hate him anymore. I've relinquished my irrational because people used to get so mad at me for that. Like, like Virginia fans are like, you don't know like how good he is in the community. I'm like, look. <laughs> I appreciate that he's a good human being. I'm specifically talking about basketball and I'm not, I'm being like, I'm being very open about being irrational. Like I'm not thinking <laughs> I'm, I'm being biased with my opinion here. So, but yeah, I think, uh, I would probably say LeBron would be my favorite player, especially cause he's on the Lakers now. Cause honestly, I hate the Lakers. Yeah. I hate him too. I think, like you For said, sure. I, I feel like they're really overrated and like, People people say they're the best franchise, and obviously I don't think they are. Um, they they don't have as many titles, so yeah. right. And they also Pe- get people the... forget that quite a bit. I don't people know why. also forget that they they don't have to be good at like building a team because the LA factor, yeah, the market. Like, uh, they, they come play for us, and people are like, yeah, okay. The Celtics have had to just be really good, like really really good at yeah. drafting, trading. I mean, Danny Ainge, what a wizard. I mean, yeah. He really doesn't get enough credit, I think, because people just don't want to give it to uh, to Danny because, you know, he, he was a sandpaper guy when he was a player. Right. And he's, you know, a Celtic, so people just want to hate on the Celtics. But um, what a, an amazing job he's done. Just look at the last 10 years. It's crazy. I mean, you take even, like, the title-winning stuff he did for the 08 team. Uh, I mean, that was obviously probably his best moves. But then... You know, just the way that he was able to build contenders, you know, get that Isaiah Thomas team, you know, game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, and then just have that, use that Nets trade so, so beautifully to to build, uh, you know, just to have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I mean, they're going to, uh, they're going to for sure max extend Tatum uh, as soon as that, you know, the clock hits midnight on the day that it's eligible. They'll, they'll offer him that, and they're going to have those two studs just locked up for years and that's like i think and i and i because i'm not a celtics fan uh but i'm emotionally emotionally invested in them winning i I appreciate when they win i just don't get mad when they lose Mm -hmm. um 
I can see, like, I see Celtics fans get so upset sometimes about losses, this, that, and then like, oh, we're screwed. We don't have a center. Like, Danny the Chelsea. I'm like, I'm like, man, guys, you have two. Like, every team in the NBA, probably, you know, maybe there's like two or three others that aren't like super jealous of the Celtics. That like they they're the envy of the league to have those two guys, uh, you know, at prime positions. The wing position is so important in the mm-hmm. modern NBA, and they're two way guys too. They're not. You don't have to scheme around them. Like it's just such a valuable thing in in this in today's NBA. And they were look. Danny was on top of that. He he drafted guy. I remember thinking like, wow, you're you know going after all these wings. What's up with that? Remember when the Hawks did that in the early two thousands and and skipped over Chris Paul and when they desperately needed a point guard and kept getting small forwards and it it didn't work because well they drafted the wrong guys. But but yeah. Danny could see like the value of having you know, interchangeable wings and how positions were kind of starting to get blurred. Even the Kelly Olenek pick, I know it was right before Giannis. Um, and this is going to be like such a, like a Homer take right now, but like, I still understand the logic. Like obviously Giannis is a, you know, arguably the best player on the planet right now, but nobody knew that he was going to be that. You got to, right. you know, yeah, credit, there's to no the way Bucks, of knowing that. credit to the Bucks for doing it. I'm not going to take that away from them, but you know, he grew like two inches like his rookie year and is way better than anybody could have ever imagined, obviously, because he went so uh, so late. But Danny could see like the the value of having a shooting center, a center that could shoot threes. And it ended up being the wrong pick at that s- spot, you know, in hindsight. But I still like I appreciate the logic that it went into the decision. Uh, and I appreciate the logic of them just a- acquiring these wings, you know, these small forward guys that could uh can play multiple positions and defend and and there you go and it's they're going to reap the benefits for years to come max let me ask you something um i have a friend right he has zero faith that jason tatum will resign i mean he he's restricted but like they think he wants to just be out of here they think he doesn't like playing here do you get that vibe at all no not at all i I don't feel that way either but, like, I kind of understand. I don't know. I feel like he doesn't, like, uh, I don't know. I, I just feel like there might be a disconnect. Like, maybe he doesn't seem to, like, always be, like, I guess maybe because he's so popular. Like, it's, it's he's not associated with being a Celtic as much as, like, he, his own name. I, I don't know. I But there's, like, a little hint of it for me, too. But, like, I think, honestly, I don't, I don't think he's going to want to leave. And he said he well, doesn't want to leave over and, and over again. I mean, he can't leave for a long time. Right. I mean, the, that's what I said. I, players don't turn down those first extensions. Like that's, I don't think that's, that's maybe happened like once. Um, I remember people were talking about Ben Simmons in the same way, you know, and I think Ben Simmons is a flight risk in Philly, but you know, he's going to sign his first max extension. So he gets the guaranteed hundred million dollars or whatever. And, uh, and then when he's 27 or something, then that becomes uh, a question. And who knows uh, with that, but, I do. The thing with Tatum is that he is. I mean, just look at his his social media. He loves his kid. You know, he's just like he's not like what you would think a young budding superstar would be in right. the NBA. And it's it reminds me of what uh, what everyone said. Uh, Steph and and Clay were like uh, when they were just kind of growing into their uh, you know growing into their prime, really was that they just were different. They weren't living that life. They weren't, you know, out partying, you know, reaping all the benefits of uh, being a famous, young, rich athlete. Uh, They were just at home playing video games and hanging out with their dogs and their, you know, uh, just their kind of close friends and stuff. And I think that that's what Tatum really feels like to me. He just seems kind of like, okay, with just chilling with his his kid. And I, I can't tell you how much that means. Like I really, when I see the way that he just loves the crap out of his son and, um, and I know that's probably most NBA players really love their kids, but just to see how open he is with that, um, it really does. And he talks about it all the time. He got a huge, really strange thigh tattoo of, of his son. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like he loves them. And I just think that he's just a little bit different. And since he was uh, at Duke and even in high school, I mean, I, you could read all these articles about him from back then where he was all about, you know, starting an initiative with his mother about single moms and, you know, he's just a mature guy, and um, I think it's weird that people would think that he's a flight risk just because he's so good. Um, I think that also there's there's power in being, you know, one of the 
the legends that play at the garden. I mean, look at right. Paul Pierce, um, you know, look at KG, look at all these guys that, um, that really appreciate that. I mean, even LeBron, like I remember saying like LeBron, when I think it was going into the, uh, after his heat, um, run when he was a free agent, I remember saying, look, I don't think LeBron's coming to Boston, but I'm also saying it's not a zero percent. I'd give it like a one percent chance because he is uh, he's a student of the game and he always has great things to say about Boston and the, the history and the fans and everything. So, you know, I think there's guys that kind of understand that. It's why LeBron went to L.A. I know I joke around like, oh, he just went there to, you know, to make Space Jam, too. But at the end of the day, I think he does really, you know, respect the the history of the game and. And he's going to he went to a storied franchise and I think Tatum's the kind of guy that uh you know will, will respect that and I think Jalen uh, Brown's the same way. He seems like a guy that really understands the history of the game and and really just embrace being a Celtic. I've always seen Jason Tatum as this weird mix, like personality wise. Obviously he's not there yet with uh talent and skill, but he could be. Um, as a weird mix between Kawhi Leonard and like LeBron, like has this ability to shut down and just be silent and not talk on the court and just have a stone face and do what needs to be done. But then he can turn around and then scream and high five Paul Pierce on the sideline and get the entire crowd hyped and like chanting for Taco. And I think it's because, at least for for, for me and Sam, I know I'm going into my senior year of college. Sam, I think you are too. Yeah, I am too. They're around. Yeah our age which is so weird to me to see like my actual generation playing in the nba and i think it reflects that because we see tatum who obviously has a kid which is weird to me as well because i'm not even thinking it that's not even on my radar right now but to see all these guys like even john morant and zion and jason tatum and this generation like playing the same video games we played like they're streaming video games that i watch and it's just weird because i can like actually connect and it's just whole new generation and of NBA stars and, like, superstars that actually have, like, a deeper-rooted personality that I understand more. And so I think that's what I see with Tatum. And he's this giant megastar, and yet he's on Snapchat playing with his kid and posting uh, songs in his car. And that's stuff, like, kids in my hometown do. And so I think yeah. that's, that's what I see and that's what I connect with. And it's just crazy to, like, think about because I grew up watching the league and all these guys, like – like what 20 years older than me play basketball and now there's jason tatum my age balling out it is it's crazy and i tell you what i give a credit to to guys like lebron that have uh just set such a good example for that younger generation and kobe too um to an extent um just putting in the work you know just really caring about the game because it does feel like there are less examples of just total flame outs um, I mean, there's guys that just aren't and don't end up being as good as, you know, they were projected to be. But you really don't see these like, you know, these guys that just don't care, you know, that are just like lazy or whatever, or just, you know, bad with their money. And maybe it's just not being reported or, or it all just hasn't happened yet for all we know. But it does seem like, uh, you know, the guys are just, you know, more professional about it. like Jalen Brown came out, you know, one of the literally one of the negatives on his scouting report was that he cared about other things other than basketball. Like, does he love the game enough? It's like, or maybe he's just like a, just kind of a versatile human. Maybe he just uh, likes having different things to think about. And I think there's a ton of value in that. Just having being, and he's talked about how it's, you know, if he has a bad game, he can go home and just like play chess or read a book about something else and, and just kind of get his mind off it. So he doesn't dwell and just, it doesn't let him, doesn't let that consume him. And I think this generation, you're absolutely right with the, uh, you know, just the young guys that they have, they, they say, you know, I've heard nothing negative about Zion as, as a person, um, that he's just, just a great kid and he just loves the game. And what I love about watching him play is just works his, his tail off. Um, you know, he just tries to block everything and, uh, it's a fun time and it's crazy. You know, I'm trying to remember who was even, I mean, LeBron was like that for me, the kid who was my age, but with LeBron, it was, uh, it was that he was on Sports Illustrated when he was like 16 on the front cover. Uh, and I remember reading about him. You'd hear about him. And you're like, all right, there's another one of those, you know, next Jordan types. You know, we hear about these all the time, but are, is this going to be legit? And then LeBron came in and like totally exceeded expectations. I couldn't, I remember just like his rookie year being like, how is he so good? But 
it's fun to watch that uh, that career. And you guys are going to have that with Tatum, you know, and this younger crop. And it's a great group. It is, you know, like I'll I'll put, um, you know, I don't know about Embiid, but uh, Ben Simmons uh, is a little bit closer to their age as well. Um, you know, you got Ja. Ja is so fun to watch, and Zion Luka. and Tatum. Luca, yeah, absolutely, Luca. Oh, I love watching Luca. Mm-hmm. Luca, I think, and I don't know. Uh, you guys, I'm sure, have been watching NBC Sports Boston when we we're doing our uh, classic games. Of course, <laughs> seeing these uh, these '80s games, and Luca's a lot like I think what what Larry Bird would be in the modern game, yeah. like that kind of impact where it just that vision is just so devastating. Uh, just to see, like he drives uh, to the basket. And jumps in the air, and he has like three different options to throw the ball to for an open three, and it's just crazy how it works every time. He's he's really fun to watch. Yeah, and like um, speaking of Larry Bird, right? So we've had the recent Paul Pierce top five, and uh, he left LeBron out. And Jack and I, the ESPN list came out last time we did a podcast, so we were talking about that. And like, I feel like a lot of people don't appreciate how good Larry Bird really was. Uh, since since the quarantine started, I've been watching like a lot of the old games, like you guys have been putting on, and then other stuff too. And like Larry Bird was so ridiculously good. And like it's not even just watching highlights of him; just watching him play like an average game, you can see that. And like I can't believe like people laugh when like he's like compared to like KD or somebody like that. Right, but like that's what's it is really crazy. I mean, it just shows the disrespect, and it just like when I see stuff like that, I'm like, okay, you guys are 12, so you just don't get it, and that's fine. I didn't watch Larry Bird. I was too young. Right. Um, but I've seen tons of highlights, and he's just he's just a, like one of the ten best players in NBA history. I mean, there's not if you look at every list, he's he, that's where he is. And it's it it just I don't know if it's because he's white and not wasn't the most athletic, and they're just like, oh, that's because it was the '80s. I'm like, man, look at Dr. J was in the '80s. So like, <laughs> it's not like it was not an athletic. Yeah, Dominique right Wilkins, yeah, MJ. Exactly. Right. I mean, come on. What are we talking about here? He won three straight MVPs uh, in the 80s, and that's incredible. Uh, he was one of the greatest players in NBA history. And when people say, oh, well, KD's better, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, KD's also one of the greatest players ever. Let's let's be honest. Uh, look at his accomplishments and look at his scoring. But, like, you're comparing, you know, two of the all-time greats. So, like, but when people start talking about, you know, the lesser players now being able to school Larry Bird. Come on. That's just disrespectful because yeah. it just shows, and it's hard to compare eras. It really is, you know, cause people are like, Oh, well, Bill Russell won all these championships, but he didn't have to play against all these people. Well, he, he, he sure whooped Will Chamberlain a lot of times. I, know, I will die by Bill Russell being, I, I, I've never seen really before the last dance. I didn't know much about Jordan, to be honest. But like now, I I used to say Russell was the best. Maybe maybe Jordan's better. My opinion, just because like people disregard how much he was winning, and like he was still the best player on the best team eleven times. And like like you say, Wilt Chamberlain was in the league. Jerry West was in the league. Like these are all players that people still regard. Yeah, very Elgin highly, Baylor, Oscar Robertson. I mean, they were great, great. I mean, look at some of the numbers that those guys put up. Uh, it's and it just it's all relative, you know, because. We can argue about this all day, and it's why it happens, why people do argue about it all day, because there is no answer. You can't play. You know, prime Bill Russell will never be able to go up against prime Shaq. It's just never going to happen. Um, right. So we can argue about it all we want, but all we have are just the relative uh, success, like what they had in their era. And he was incredibly dominant. He was the most dominant player ever. Um, and he he played he, – so Oscar Robertson averaged a triple-double, uh, then – Will Chamberlain averaged 50 points and like 20 rebounds and Bill Russell won the MVP. So it's like, that just shows you like, that's the kind of player he was. And it, God, if they had tracked blocks, I mean the record, he would hold the record without a doubt. Everyone says like, he's blocking six shots a game. You just, they didn't track. Which is insane. Right. And he's just, you couldn't score. He was just too much of an animal. Um, and not not to m- mention the fact of the era that he lived in just in America, you know, just all the off the court stuff that he had to deal with. So I think that Bill Russell's got to be up there. Um, I think Jordan uh, personally, but I'll, look, I'll allow the LeBron conversation to come in because I, I've just seen him more 
with right. my own eyes, just completely, you're just like, you can't beat him. You know, he's just too good. He's too smart. He's like, you know, Tom Brady was the last couple of years where when Brady said, I have, why would I quit? And I have all the answers to the test. LeBron has all the answers to this, but he's still at his, you know, really close to his physical peak um, and plays plays a way that I think will, you know, he'll be able to keep doing it, I think, uh, for not as long as he wants, but I don't think he's close to being done. So uh, LeBron's going to have probably all the records, and mm-hmm. I don't he's not going to have six titles. But, um, but Jordan, I think, just because Jordan – Jordan dealt like the when Jordan was coming like so Larry and Magic like really popularized the NBA and yes. then Jordan took that and just took it to a whole nother level the 92 dream team and then the just the with cable and the media really like a perfect time where it was a, there was growth in the media there was a global uh media infrastructure and but there wasn't too much like there is now like with social media like it would be real like LeBron isn't the most famous person on the planet. Like there are places in the world where they don't know who LeBron James is. Uh, but there, you know, was a time when everyone knew who Michael Jordan was. He was the most famous person on planet earth. It was just this perfect coincidence of things that happened. And that really, you watch the documentary, you can see the toll that it took on him. Um, I know that, you know, a lot of us would be like, great, I'll take that because that's an awesome life to live when you're, the best basketball player on the planet and super rich and you can just dominate and blah, blah, blah. But it does. I think you got to take all that kind of stuff into account uh, when you're deciding who's the best ever. And at the end of the day, it's your, it's your opinion because we're, they're never going to be able to play each other. Right. Uh, speaking of the documentary, what do you think of the documentary? Cause you are someone that got to watch Jordan growing up. Uh, I didn't. And there's been a lot of controversy about it. I at least that I've seen, like Horace Grant's upset, Scottie Pippen was upset with some things that were said. Um, how accurate do you think it all actually is? So I'm not that old, but uh, I did watch the end of Jordan's career. His, you know, right. he was so famous. He was just so famous that, like, you know, in grade school, you know, teachers would talk about like Michael Jordan. And I was in Philadelphia. We had no connection to him, but it was like it was front page news for everyone when he retired. Like it was just incredible. Um, and all of the commercials, um, and Space Jam, obviously, but the, uh, you know, it, it was, uh, for me, the documentary, I just don't care. Like, I really don't care how, like, it was, it was Michael Jordan's film crew. So like, what are, like, people need to really set their expectations correctly when they go into that. For me, I just wanted to watch as much of that team those Michael Jordan teams as possible. I loved watching. I wish there was more basketball, honestly, in it. And I loved hearing him just be just a, a stone cold killer. Uh, still, he just yeah. still is like, he's psychotic. He's, he's like, yeah, yeah, I took that personal. Yeah. He, he took like, everything personal. Everything motivated him. And it's what the great ones have to do. They have to have some brain damage. Like Brady was still crying about where he was picked <laughs> in the draft. It's like, what's wrong with you? You've won so many Super Bowls. You're so famous. You're married to <laughs> Giselle. But at the end of the day, it's like that's what these people uh, – what makes them super great is that uh, that little misfiring in their brain that doesn't connect the way it should that makes them slighted that gives them that chip on their shoulder. And the Patriots have been uh, really good at kind of drumming that up. I think Belichick's really good at that. You know, obviously Brady had it. Uh, Michael Jordan had it uh, like no one else ever. I mean, that guy, it was a problem. I remember uh, when he, his Hall of Fame speech, people were all up in arms because he just completely obliterated his, the varsity coach at uh, his high school that didn't put him on the varsity team, like called him out by name and people thought it was low class. and like, Man, that's Michael Jordan. That's Michael Jordan. That's who he is. He's, yeah. He holds a grudge, and that's why he's, he was so great. That's why you guys all love him. And uh, for me, I didn't care. Uh, I, I don't look at it as, like, the final telling of that era. I also don't care about the final telling. To me, it's like, you know, sure, Horace Grant probably has his side of the story. I don't really care about Horace Grant's side of the story. I wanted to watch Michael Jordan's <laughs> side of the story. And Scottie Pippen... I mean, you couldn't have made yourself look worse in the interviews. <laughs> like, if you had a problem, you should have maybe, I don't know, lied or something when you were being interviewed because you were being honest. And you were, you, 
don't regret not going into the game. Yeah. You sat out the end of it. What are you? Are you kidding me? Like to me, that's like, what are we doing here? And then he. Yeah, he, I saw that right, and like I'm like thinking to myself, why is he mad about that? Like you did that. You you sat out of the game. What are you mad at them for saying that you did that? Because you and did you it. said you didn't regret it in the modern day interview. Like you wouldn't change things or whatever. It's like, come on, dude. Like at least have some like, yeah, I made a mistake or, but no, he's still, he's just like, I tell you what, I didn't, I never like cared about Scottie Pippen. Um, you know, he was the best player in the bulls in NBA jam because Jordan wasn't in it. Um, but you could be Pippen and, and, uh, Horace Grant, but I didn't really give a crap about him. Uh, and I don't remember having much of an opinion about him, but my opinion about him is after watching some of those things that he did, it's like, man, you're so lucky that you had Jordan because he saved your ass from, you know, being even more of a pariah. Like he's like, a, it's like Kyrie wouldn't even do that. Yeah, I don't think he would. Which refused is crazy. To play. Like refuse yeah. to play. I mean, come on. I mean, Kyrie. Uh, Jam Packard actually did say, I just called him Jam at Sam, but, uh, uh, the power of Twitter. Um, he, he said that Kyrie tanking the body Pippen, not going into the, for the last shot, which, okay. If you want to like Kyrie, I don't know if he was tanking on purpose, but he was, he was, there was, he something. didn't care. He was There's just something. shooting, he was shooting doing something. and like, and like, oh, all right, guys, I got Giannis. It's like. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. You can't defend Giannis because Giannis is like twice your size, and you're not a good defender. But whatever. That, that series is still crazy to me because they played so well in the first game, and after mm-hmm. that, they just fell off. And like, really, it wasn't even Milwaukee being better. It was just them like playing like a bunch of babies. And it didn't even make sense. Yeah, my theory about last year is that um, if you guys follow me on Twitter, you know I'm really into space. Uh, and the, the solar system, you know, 99% of the mass in the solar system is from the star, the sun, uh, and the planets revolve around it. And what happened is when Kyrie and Gordon were hurt two years ago, some of these little planets got a little bit more mass that grew a little bit and it just screwed up the gravitational, uh, orbits. And as much as I, at the time agreed, or at least understood why Danny didn't trade Terry, I think that was the biggest mistake was not trading Terry that summer after the scary Terry playoffs, uh, striking while the iron's hot. Um, and Danny's logic was sound. Like we have our all-star point guard who is, you know, has a knee, has a knee injury and, you know, he's the shoulder too that he, I think was already dealing with at the time. And, uh, we need insurance for him. And we know that this guy, Terry can take us to game seven of the, or at least help us get to game seven of the Eastern conference finals. So in case Kyrie gets hurt again, we have him. And I, I totally understand that logic, but Terry should have been talked to like more before that decision was made, because I remember he was on, I think it was Chris Mannix's podcast before uh, last season. And Mannix talked about Kyrie coming back. And I remember Terry being like, look, I don't mind coming off the bench, you know, cause you know, it's not who starts the game. It's who finishes it. And I remember just stopping my car and be like, you're not going to be finishing the games, Terry. <laughs> Kyrie is going to still be the one playing like, and he didn't get it I think Terry uh, was probably more of a problem than people um, people talk about um, again it was like 99% Kyrie's fault but you know Terry was an issue I think having uh, Marcus Morris just there were too many guys that were above the young guys in you know like the locker room hierarchy like right. Jalen Brown was a th- third year player getting you know yelled at in public on the bench by Marcus Morris. It's like, I'm not a rookie, man. Like, sit down. Like, don't scream at me where people can record it on their phones and now it's a social media thing. Uh, I think Jalen was just a leader. with. He was a shepherd without a herd, you know? I think right. he's a natural leader and was just literally not allowed to talk. And look, and I give Marcus uh, Smart a little bit of uh, crap for that too because he, you know, he was – he was uh, he embarrassed Jalen a couple of times too, but again, I think with Marcus it was kind of just like, dude, you got to be in the right spot on defense. Um, but with Morris, sometimes it felt like it was just a little bit too much of a bullying type situation, and and I think uh, it was just off the whole season. The orbit was off. If my space analogy makes any sense, yeah, it makes sense. It was a good one. 
I workshopped that a bunch with my wife, and she was like, whatever, I don't care. <laughs> Just quarantine things, man. I, I feel <laughs> I've talked about some things my uh, my brother probably doesn't really care about, but I've talked his ear off anyways. But yeah, we've been talking for, wow, an hour now. I'm going to... I have one final thought, then we can wrap this up a little. Max, do you watch Game of Zones, or have you watched it at all? I have. I haven't watched recently, but yeah, okay. I was I was a big Game of Zones guy in previous years. Well, they've recently put out their series finale, so this was the, the last little season they did now. I'm kind of... I don't want to spoil anything, because I know you haven't watched it yet, but I'm upset that they finished it, and I'm curious, like, why would they just stop making Game of Zones now? Like, is this, like, a good time for them to stop, or, like, I don't know why... Why they're not going to keep doing it in the future? It was a perfect little like comedic sketch to go with the season. I always enjoyed it. I loved Tatum's little piece last year of him on the uh, the board game with Ben Simmons and Mark Foles. But <laughs> but I don't know like why why would they stop now? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean I'm sure there's a reason. It's probably uh, they're probably really hard to do, and I can see those things like that taking a lot of work. You know, especially animation. That's not easy, um, and it could be that the people who invented it or created it that have like the proprietary rights want to be done or have left um, or they don't get enough uh, juice from the squeeze. You know, they might and that might just not be worth the amount, the cost that goes into making mm-hmm. it because uh, Bleach Report does not um, charge you to watch it. Yeah. Do they? Well, you have to watch it through the app, though. Uh, no, um, it's, on, it's, on YouTube. YouTube. it's on YouTube, which oh, they okay. get money from. Yeah. Right, and I know that you used to. Um, it used to be like they would put the episodes out on the app first, and then they would put it other places. But um, you know, it's it just. I think that's probably what went into it. Because again, you're right. Like, there's no reason that it should ever end, unless it's just unless they just think it's tired. Maybe they've seen you know the the interest in it, the views going down. Um, I I don't know anything about their internal. Uh, debating. I just know from our my experiences, you know, working at TV stations that there's things like that where, you, you know, you just really have to uh, measure out is this idea worth it? Because people have so many ideas, so many great ideas, mm-hmm. but the execution of the idea is, you know, by far the hardest thing. And a lot of times the ideas don't uh, take into account the execution. And to me, that just seems like something that's pretty difficult. You know, because I know for me, just doing, just trying to be funny for two minutes on the post game <laughs> show is really hard because you know, sometimes there just aren't good tweets, and uh, and especially if Scal's in the show, it's like, man, I gotta, I have to bring it, and it has to be not just funny; it has to be funny, the kind of funny that Scal will find funny. Because even if it's objectively funny and he doesn't like it, he'll embarrass me on live television. Um, Luckily, it doesn't really bother me when he does. And sometimes that ends up being funny, so I'm okay with it. But uh, it's difficult. Stuff like that's hard. It's hard to be, you know, whether it's once a week, right, that they're putting those things out. Yeah. Yeah. A lot well, of work, man. They they do, like, what, eight a season? Something like maybe? that, yeah. Towards around, the playoffs. But that. it comes once a week once it comes out. Then. Right, yeah. I guess it isn't once a week. So. I mean, yeah. I, I suppose now that Game of Thrones actually ended, this was a, a good enough time as ever to wrap it up with the break in the season. And who knows, maybe they'll do something similar with like a, a more relevant TV show because like, I know everyone hated how Game of Thrones ended. I never watched it personally, but I saw the backlash on social media. So maybe they're looking for something new to do, like another sort of TV series spinoff with the NBA with. So I kind of get would it. it. Be? Oh, God. What would it be? I can't even think. I, I, What's a show that everyone watches? I don't know. It, it. I feel like something on Netflix. Like I know Riverdale's a big thing. I watched that over quarantine. I, I personally thought that was pretty good. But I don't. I don't. I couldn't see them doing something with that because it's not like you can't just put the NBA in a setting with like high school or whatever. I guess you could, but like it, Game of Thrones was so unique that it was like, oh, medieval times. We'll put the NBA there. It'll be so like when rename everything like tore on toe like just change everything slightly so it sounded <laughs> like it was from medieval times but i can't think of something that everybody would have seen maybe they do like gray's anatomy with the nba but i don't know how they'd do that. i don't know i think it's got to be something more like because that's the thing about game of thrones is that it was when it ended i was like this is one of the last like you know appointment viewing shows yeah. Yeah. that people don't binge like you just watch together you like can't wait for the you know the week for it to come out and I could see them doing it with like the Mandalorian or something like that. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah. But again, it's got to be something that uh, that transcends generations. Like Riverdale, I actually did watch um, 
most of the first season, but it got really, um, you know, CW-ish for me. No, and yeah. I'm, not ashamed, I'm not ashamed. I watched the 100 uh, to watch <laughs> CW. I watched CW all the, uh, you know, if it's a show that I like, I don't care what channel it's on, but it got a little too, um, a little too, like, teen drama-y, which isn't, like, I watch this stuff, that stuff too. I was a teen uh, not that long <laughs> ago, but, and, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is still one of my favorite shows uh, of all time. But uh, it it just, I don't know if enough people in multi-generations would, would know what Riverdale was, but something like that. some Something that would have to be, like, an event when it ended, like Game of Thrones was. Like, yeah. Seinfeld was an event when it ended. Game of Thrones, uh, Mad Men. I would, love, I would love if they did, like, Family Guy or something like that. Sorry about my dog. <laughs> That's all right. Sorry about my cat. You can't smell the the turd you left in the litter <laughs> box during this, but I can. <laughs> no, yeah, just something. I feel like I don't know, but like like I said, Family Guy. Like if they did an animated show like that, then what's the point of animating it? Like it's tough. I feel like Game of Thrones was so unique in the way they did it, in that it's hard to find a show like that. Yeah, it was perfect. Game of Zones too. Game of Thrones. Exactly. You know, yeah. There's. And all the characters and the NBA. Look, there'll be something else. Someone will come up of with course. something else, I'm sure. Uh, but I, I think you're right. The time was just with the show ending, um, the quarantine. It's time to just let it set sail. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunate because it was uh, hilarious, but I guess it, it might have been time. But yeah, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. This was awesome. You're more than welcome anytime back. It was. It's a blast having you. Uh, I think we're gonna wrap it up here. But anything you wanted to say before we cut this off? Uh, no, just thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it any time. Uh, it's always good to talk basketball. Hopefully we'll get um, some games to talk about soon. And, um, I sure you hope You know, so. everyone just, just stay safe. You know, listen to the the health experts and, you know, just do your part. For sure, yeah. Thank you guys for listening so much. Uh, hopefully we'll be back sometime soon. It's tough when there's no basketball, but we keep managing to find something to talk about. So, uh, yeah, this has been From the Raptors, presented by Bannertown USA and Parquet Press. Press, thanks for listening. Peace out.